The opinions in this program are not necessarily shared by the Cortez Radio Board of Directors or staff. You're listening to 89.5 CKTZ Cortez Community Radio. This is Max Tyson for Cortez Currents. Over the past couple of years, electric bikes or e-bikes have begun to be a regular appearance on Cortez roads. Today we'll hear from a few local e-bike users, ask them about their bikes and their experience riding on Cortez. Um, I'm Julie. I live here on Cortez. I make pots. I'm in my house. I built a house with my friend Travis this year and it's really beautiful and it feels really, really good. Julie rides the Rad Wagon from Rad Power Bikes. It's the like um, 2018 Rad Wagon. It's got like a an area for like another passenger. You can put another adult on the back, um, which I have lots of times and it works totally great. Or you can put a child on the back, which I also do a lot. And I have like a little kid's seat right now on the back. It's really good. I've never had to do any major repairs on my e-bike. So what are the pros and cons? Okay, so the pros and cons, it's really, really heavy and it's hard to move it like if you're needing to put it on a vehicle and take it somewhere. The size is the def- like my definite biggest con, but it doesn't like impact the like stability or like the good feeling of riding it. Like as soon as you're moving, the weight doesn't really like you don't notice it because the battery in the motor is like definitely strong enough to propel you. <laughs> it, you don't feel the weight at all with the kit on it. And all the weight, I'm able to go up like the gorge hill, um, like at the Y, you know, with like a little, it's like I'm mildly exercising, like it's not really hard work. Okay, there's so much space. You could put like, I have a big basket on the front, so I could put a bunch of groceries, like as, you know, as much as I would ever buy at the co-op on the bike. And then plus my kid on the back or an adult if I wanted. If you wanted, you could collect lumber on it. Like you could go down to the beach like, I'm sure I would be able to, like, go down to the beach, load up, you know, a bunch of lumber that I found on the beach, bungee it on there and bring it home. Like, you could, I think you could transport, like, small pieces of furniture as well. Julie made use of the BC government's Scrap It program to get a rebate. Yeah, you, there's, like, a program in BC for, if you're purchasing an e-bike, you get, like, an $800 rebate or you get $800 off the cost of the e-bike when you scrap a car. Her bike wound up costing her very little. It was like a 2018 model, and I got it in 2019. And so it was something like $600 off the cost because of that, because it was like the year before's model, even though it was a new bike. And plus, like getting the the $800 rebate, the bike ended up being like around $1,000 all said and done for me to buy, which was a really really good deal I didn't have a car for like 10 months after I initially got the e-bike and I used it like almost exclusively I think I saved you know that 10 months of insurance and probably paid off the bike you know within that time really easily we asked Julie what her average travel time was crossing the island from Whaletown to Manson's and about the range she got with her battery well, I think it took me a little longer because my kiddo doesn't like going super fast. He wants it to be like, you know, at like 15 kilometers, maybe 20. So with him on the back, it takes like an hour or like a little bit more sometimes. But if it's just me on my own, it's like 40, 45 minutes at the most. But yeah, on one charge back and forth, like easily, even more than that, like I could go back and forth and then back and forth again, probably on one charge. 
I find like I get something like 50 or 60 kilometers here because it's so hilly. I think you would get more in like a flatter place. Okay, let's hear from our next rider. Mike Brown, up till now, I've been on Cortez. I've been hitchhiking strictly. I don't own a vehicle. So my transportation method prior to getting the e-bike was primarily hitchhiking and then secondarily cycling. So I spent winters in Mexico and I, I got back in March of last year and, um, you, you know, the, the atmosphere was, was very worried. So I, I didn't even give hitchhiking a shot. Let's hear about his e-bike. I got the Rad Rover. Um, I got it because I don't, I often just don't like researching products. So I'll, if I want to buy something, I'll just phone someone who I think I trust who has, who has one and ask them if they liked it, if, if, if they like it. So I called Mark Appleyard because I knew he had one and I knew he was enthusiastic and he was, he just said it's, he thinks it's a great bike for Cortez buy it. Um, I agree. I think it's pretty good. It's the fat tire one. It's, it's the red, it's, it's the red, the red Rover is a four, it's got a big four inch wide fat tire. I'm not convinced that you really need the tires to be four inches wide on Cortez, except that I live on a gravel road. And if you're on gravel roads, I, I think that helps. It's, it makes it, it makes it stable. One thing going for the rad bikes is that the rad seems to be hitting a, trying to hit a price point. So their, their bikes are, I think 2000 bucks. Mine was $2,000 plus tax company specialized. For example, I think when I checked prices, their entry level bike, was 3000 and that was their entry level bike and it went up from there the rad rover is i think it's good for 2000 bucks what you give up is that the components rad doesn't put high quality components on there because they're trying to hit a price point in particular the derailleur and the brake system aren't great um, i mean i'm a slightly demanding consumer and i'm satisfied enough with the components on there it comes with onboard lights as well like there's a front and back light that actually oddly enough just in the last week my, my front the front light got glitchy and it uh, doesn't seem to be working. I might just have to mess with the cables, but that is a good feature, assuming it's working, is that the bike comes stock with a front and uh, with a front and back light. So that's also a really good safety feature because sometimes people just don't get around to getting the lights and it's not, I don't think it's safe to be on the road without, without having lights on the bike. So Rad just solves that problem right from the get-go. Something that a person has to accept about the bike is that they're heavy. So if you need to, when you get home, if you need to, if you need to carry your bike up your stairs to leave it on your porch or things like that, then I would, you know, before somebody buy it, just make sure they realize how heavy the bike is. How does Mike feel about the range? So Camel River and back is kind of my benchmark. Like if it, you know, the bike needs to get to Camel River, load up with stuff and then get back without any risk of me having to, you know, push it off the ferry. And it, it definitely does that. I can do any trip on Cortez laden. For example, I could go from my place in Olmsted down to Smelt Bay, load up with a bunch of junk in the panniers and then and then ride back and then get home with I have, you know, that's it's the power is measured in terms of five bars. I'd get home with one or two bars, typically two. Our next rider to share is Chris Knapper. Chris lives in Whaletown. He and his partner Beth both ride the e-bike. They decided to get a conversion kit to turn a bike they had into an e-bike. I particularly didn't want to get rid of the bike I had. I had a nice mountain bike and I wanted to keep it. It was well made, it was very lightweight. Um, in terms of selling it, I wouldn't have got very much money for it. And I dislike the run of the mill e-bikes coming out of China. They're very badly made, they're very heavy. Converting something you'd like is a much better option in my opinion. Basically, when I looked into converting a bike or buying one, uh, there were really two choices. You either had a hub motor with a motor built into the wheel, 
or you had a mid-drive or a centrally mounted system running through a gear that drove the bottom bracket crank. And I opted for that one. I went for a bottom bracket crank one. I bought a Barfang BBHSD. The advantage of a mid-drive over the hub, basically you're putting all the power into the transmission. Every gear is getting powered. With the hub motor, the wheel has to spin up to its optimum speed to give you the maximum torque. That means the motor gets hot pretty fast quickly unless you're heading very fast. Actually, I've got rather a powerful one. This one's rated at a thousand watts. You can get them at 500, 750 or a thousand. It's supposed to be for off-road use, but um, the controller in it will take a fairly high current. It's rather like having a 300 horsepower motor car. You don't have to drive at 300 miles an hour. The power's there if you want it. And I like that. If you need some sudden acceleration, it's there. Uh, I picked this model partly because it mounts low in the bike. It's underneath the um, bottom bracket. It's a fairly easy conversion. You take out the pedals, the crank, and the crank cassette, and insert this, this unit. It's all complete. And put the pedals back on. It's that simple. There are other bits and pieces you could add to it. Um, I have a sensor on my gear change cable that allows the motor to stop whilst I'm changing gear. So the motor doesn't try and power virtually a clutchless wheel whilst you're changing gear. Uh, at the time I was looking into them, you could buy a fairly cheap ready-made e-bike from China. It was heavy, clumbersome sort of bike, but the price was around $2,200, $2,400. A conversion kit, the one I actually put in, cost me nearly $1,650. Not a huge monetary difference. But I had a nice bike. If I bought an e-bike, I'd have to get rid of the other bike somewhere. Well, bikes aren't worth a great deal. It probably would have meant the dump. I was trying to avoid that. Uh, in terms of running costs, very little. A little bit of electricity. Repairs and maintenance are minimal. Um, it saves a huge amount of money going to town because of the ferries. It saves gas. saves wear and tear on the car. Um, it actually qualifies our car for a a low insurance rate because we don't drive so much. So yes, by and large, it saves a lot of money. Chris is referring to the low kilometer discount available from ICBC. If you drive less than 5,000 kilometers, you can get a 10% discount off your insurance. You'll need to talk to them ahead of time when you renew. How does Chris's bike do on range? As far as range goes, um, we both cycled the bike and uh, we were very careful on how much current we drew out of the system we can change the settings as to how much power assist we have and we did a test to see how far the battery would take us without flattening it and we got just under 100 kilometers so if you're careful and you don't overuse the power you can go quite a long way but for most of us on a bike we would charge before we hit that actual level typically we charge between 70 and 80 kilometers issues one's likely to have are the same you get with any e-bike, which is mostly in the controller, blowing the FETs that control the current through to the motor. That can be a problem, particularly with hub bikes. I haven't had it with mine. And uh, the battery management system, I have had issues with that. It takes time to work all this stuff out, and you need a lot of input from the internet to help you. The mid-drive system that Chris got, where the motor is near the pedals and drives the chain, is a less common motor setup than the hub motors that are in the center of a front or rear wheel. E-bike enthusiasts are often arguing the merits of one over the other, often claiming that a mid-drive puts excessive strain on the chain and gears. They say, oh, your chain's going to break, you won't be able to get home. Well, that's a possibility. I did think about carrying a spare chain along with a pump and tire levers and a spare tube and all the other stuff that I've learned over the years 
I should have in the saddlebags, but to be quite honest, I haven't found the wear on the chain that excessive. As far as changing out the cassette and the chain on a routine basis, I'd highly recommend it, particularly when you're doing as many kilometers a year as we are. Doing a yearly change on the cassette and the chain isn't gonna break the bank. I suspect you'd probably do it for 50 or 60 bucks, which to me is cheap insurance. As far as wear on the chain itself, and I haven't changed mine yet, is still looking pretty good. For a different perspective, Cortez Currents contacted the owner and operator of Dandy Horse Bikes, Andrew Baskin. Dandy Horse is the only bicycle repair shop on Cortez. Dandy Horse Bikes is uh, my shop located in Manson's Landing. We do all sorts of repairs on all sorts of bicycles, old and new. Uh, we do e-bike repairs uh, as long as it doesn't void the warranty. I'm a dealer, distributor of Grin Technology, which is uh, the website ebikes.ca, Vancouver-based e-bike supplier that sells kits that bolt onto existing bicycle frames. What I like about Grin is that they're a low-tech and local e-bike distributor, and so you get a lot of support from them. And the parts that they sell, batteries, controllers, and motors are all uh, interchangeable and designed to fit in with one another, which avoids the more expensive and non-local proprietary e-bike makers such as Specialized, Giant, Shimano, uh, Rad. Nothing wrong with those, but you end up paying a lot more for those kits and the, the service uh, is only available by mailing, sometimes mailing your entire bicycle back to them wherever they're, wherever they're based. They're harder to fix because they're proprietary. They need special programs on your computer to, to diagnose, and they need only their parts, which are only available from their catalog, from their suppliers. It's still a step in the right direction, but um, especially in a place with, uh, like Cortez, where you really, you really feel that need for self-sufficiency, for simple, effective technology. So Grin technology ebikes.ca is the one that i choose because of their low tech local and because they're passionate about what they do and they love what they do they focus on these do-it-yourself principles they focus on high quality parts that they've tested thoroughly the parts are easy to mix and match and um and that they are as low tech as they can be being non-proprietary means that they uh, that you can buy a battery from this company and mix it with the motor from that company and take a controller from some other company and as long as you got the right plugs and that's sort of the way it should be. So we've heard about a few different e-bikes and the cost savings these riders have experienced. Next they describe other motivations at the heart of their decision. We've always been interested in the environment and the issues that are affecting it. Having an e-bike made sense to me. Another great savings for us is getting on the ferry in the summer. We can always do it with the e-bike. We can't always do it with a cart. We don't go to town that often, perhaps once a month, but it does make it that much easier. As we get older, we used to be able to cycle across Quadra and make the connecting ferry with an ordinary pedal bike. Now we find the e-bike is the proper answer for us, particularly if we've got a lot of gear to take into town or bring back. In terms of the impact on the environment, we still have a motor car, so we're not exactly exempt from sharing the burden of what's happening to the planet. We're not actually using it when we're cycling, but it is there. The environmental concern is def definitely as valid and as important as like the money saving and fun aspects for sure. I think about it every time I buy gas, 
it doesn't feel great. Yeah, living rurally, it feels like really difficult to consider not having any sort of transportation with a kid. So it just felt like an obvious way to do something, like a little something and drive less. I really love the e-bike. I love biking and I love being able to like sensorily like experience my passage from one place to another. The whole trip to wherever you're going becomes an adventure. Like what in the summer and the spring we'll like pull over on the side of the road and pick berries like as we're biking along places and I'll like pass in the berries and you know in that way it becomes so fun for him. The one word that I would use to describe why what I think why I think the e-bike is interesting just for me is it just gives me a uh, gives me a feeling of freedom. It's like a, it's like being a teenager. It's like it's like I still feel like uh, it reminds me of when I was riding around, you know, uh, out on my own, maybe with my buddy when we were twelve years old or thirteen, just like blasting around the neighborhood and pushing boundaries in terms of like how much freedom of movement we had, getting out of the house, getting away from our parents. I it's funny because I still you know, I, st I still kind of feel the same way when I'm on the e-bike. What it really gives me is being able to have mobility and also to have the experience of freedom that um, I don't think drive, I don't think a lot of drivers have because that's what they tell me. You know, my friends who drive are always seem to be in constant tension, conflict, sometimes for reasons of, of uh, climate, sometimes because they realize that they, they, they're sort of living out of tension of like wishing they drive, they, wishing they drove less, but they still rely on the car. So they're they're in this kind of disjunctive state in terms of what they wish they were doing and what they're actually doing. I think e-bikes are a definite re reducer in, in the, the carbon footprint of people. And uh, I think as far as um, fighting climate change, um, it's an amazing step towards, towards that goal. As far as how many cars it can eliminate off the road, like it, it can be truly um, a real feasible option for people. Cortez Currents reached out to local climate journalist Barry Saxifrage to get a sense of just how big a reduction in climate pollution an e-bike has over an internal combustion engine. He said by email that, quote, an internal combustion engine, ICE, is 80 times more climate polluting than a similar electric vehicle, EV, in BC. Or you could say it as EVs in BC are 99% less climate polluting than an ICE. And e-bikes use one-tenth to one-twentieth the amount of electricity per kilometer as an EV, so they will only use 5 to 10% of what an EV does per mile. That means e-bikes are 99.9% .9 less climate polluting in BC than an internal combustion engine car." End quote. Next, we asked our interviewees some of the common questions that come up for those interested in e-bikes. We began by wondering if the riders still get exercise. I wouldn't be riding with the kid on the back, like especially at this age. I just wouldn't be. Like we would walk places and we do walk still lots. It doesn't like stop us from going on long walks. But yeah, definitely like replaces driving, not it doesn't replace like me riding a non-powered bike with the kid on the back or us taking long walks. It just replaces driving. If I really want to work out, like I'll throw it on the back of my on the back of my like not powered bike. But generally I don't want to like get I don't want a like crazy hard workout before we spend the whole day outside walking around and like exploring things anyways. We cycle a great deal more now we have the assisted bike. 
it's the first choice for me when I have to go to a medical appointment on Quadra or into Campbell River for shopping or any other reason. If I have to go to the post office, it's, it's the thing I would tend to look at before the car. Um, I get less exercise, but that's because I want to get less exercise. I, I mean, I, I rode around enough on Cortez that it just became a bit of a drag. My lifestyle is full of exercise. I spend a lot of time on my property doing exercise, so I'm trying to look for a reason to get less. My bike has five power levels, so one's the lowest. I mean, you could turn off the power assist, that's zero, and then it goes from there up to five. I just tend to keep it on five because I just want to take advantage of the assist. So I get less exercise, but because that's, that's what I want. But if somebody wanted exercise, they just dial down the power, just dial, dial down the assist and get exercise if that's the goal. Next, we asked if these riders felt safe riding on Cortez and whether there is anything that can make riding safer. Driving, sometimes people can get really like in a, in a little bit of a bubble and like forget, you know, how fast they're going, forget how much of a danger they pose and how much danger they might be in because of this like container that they're in. With the bike, I feel like I have a lot more awareness of like how fast I'm going and Towns has a lot of awareness of that. So we go a lot slower and, and also like you can hear everything. So I hear vehicles coming and often if a vehicle's coming and we're in a dangerous spot, I'll get way off the road as much as I can, you know, and maybe even stop because I've been able to hear the vehicle. I'm like able to do that. So I, I don't feel like it's more dangerous than a car because I feel like cars, it's like it's like a numbing experience. And then, you know, you're a little bit more like off your guard rather than like being really in like this open sensory place of being on the bike. It would be amazing if there was like more of a shoulder, but then that's it's a difficult question because it would, it would mean cutting into the ditches, which have a lot of life in them. And that would feel weird to like expand the roads. <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, that doesn't necessarily feel good to me to make the road bigger. Um, yeah, I think that people slowing down, like more people e-biking in the summer, more people walking, being a little bit more mindful as drivers that there's like lots of people who walk along the roads and drive and ride bikes on the roads. I have had a couple moments where um, drivers are going really fast and come really close to us and like there are a couple places on the road where it's like really dangerous and people drive really fast anyways, even though it's like clearly a spot where you shouldn't be driving really fast. <laughs> and yeah, I've got some, I've got a little bit of beef about that. People like speeding around. I think beforehand I was already riding a non-powered bike with the kiddo on the back, like somewhat regularly. And we were walking like from Lagoon Road to Manson's every week like multiple times a week at least three times a week sort of thing so we were spending a lot of time on the road and I already had a really good sense of like what the road here is like like that you know where the danger spots are and like how to be a little more careful in them so I wasn't really like to be honest safety wasn't a big concern for me beforehand either I think that I already like understood that I don't feel less safe on a bike than in a car you're not, you're not a threat too, you know, like you're reducing the like overall like car traffic in the car, the cars are the threat for the most part. Like people do get in bike accidents that are really serious without a car being involved, but often it's like the cars that you're worried about, you know? Oh, and another thing I should say is that 
you know, on the e-bike, you see, like, how many little creatures get killed, like, arbitrarily by cars, like, you know, the time of year when there's baby squirrels, like, there's just, like, tons of them everywhere, dead baby squirrels, and also the the newts and, and fogs. And on the bike, you can really see, you know, if you're passing a newt crossing the road, or, like, if you're passing a, a frog hopping across the road, or a squirrel, or whatever, like, you're not going to hit little animals but you do see like how many get hit by cars it's tons and it's really nice to not you know instead of hitting them you're gonna see them and like be able to look at them and stop and check them in and that's really cool too for the kiddo Uh, on cortez it's riding any sort of bicycle here or even a motorbike is risky business i think I feel much safer on quadra there is a bike lane there it's dedicated um it does get cluttered with debris during winter gales and fur cones and things which can present quite a hazard particularly if you're traveling at speed Um, but it is safer than Cortez. Campbell River by and large is a very easy town to cycle around and it's flat everything's laid out fairly easily for most people. I tend to switch off the electric power there and just cycle the bike as a pedal bike but if you are using it as an e-bike you tend to move faster than most of the traffic is aware of and you have to watch that. They don't think you're going to be where you are when you actually get there. So you have to predict what sort of scenarios might unfold, particularly at junctions. Wider roadways with a bike path is obviously the ultimate solution. However, due to the nature of the island, particularly all the rock outcrops we have here, I wouldn't have thought it was a cost-effective retrofit for um, mainland roads. I would think it'd be too costly. The only thing one can really do, I suppose, is make yourself as visible as possible. Wear high visibility clothing, make sure you've got flashing lights on the bike, and just trust luck on the corners. I've had people overtake me on some pretty daft corners instead of waiting. And e-bikes are relatively fast. It, it doesn't take an awful lot to let a bike just get around the corner before you try and get past him. But I've had lots of tourists trying to overtake me on blind corners, and that is scary. I feel safe. I feel safer on the roads because I have a lot of cycling experience. I have kind of road sense. So I guess part of what that road sense involves is just always tracking what's happening in, in the road environment. So I think that's on my side. Um, you know, maybe one downside or one requirement of the e-bike is that it's a heavy, it's a heavy bike. So compared to a bicycle, there's, there's more weight rolling. So a brake system that was out of tune meaning that didn't have the stopping power that you want, I think would increase the danger. The pads have to be in good condition and the brake system has to be tuned. So if somebody doesn't, if somebody isn't going to pay attention to how their brake system is tuned, that would maybe not be ideal. You know, all that would require is that you learn the basic rudiments of how to, how to tune up the brakes on, on the bike I have. It's, it's actually really easy. It's easier than disc brakes I've had before. Next, we asked the three riders if it was feasible to make a connecting ferry when crossing Quadra. It's totally possible to make the connecting ferries if you like just kind of focus and move. I've never missed a connecting ferry going across. Yeah, I take uh, I, I take the non-connect. I have twice taken the connecting ferry and then made and then so in other words, taken the connector out of, out of Campbell River and then made the ferry going to Cortez. But it wasn't very fun. The drag of it is that you got to be strategic and make sure you're, you got to get off the ferry in Q Cove and then get on your bike pretty smartly. So you kind of like really to do it, you need to walk your bike off uh, like about halfway down the ramp and then do what the BC Ferries people don't want you to do, which is like put your bike in the car lane and then, and then ride. Because if you take your time walking off and like you can't really, you don't have much time to burn. 
I found it a bit unnecessarily stressful to be to be trying to make the Cortez ferry. And now I just now I just take the non-connector every time and then leave myself a bunch of time, which for me is way better. We wrap up this review with a few final pieces of advice. If you're considering an e-bike, do your research. Um, I tended to look for the lightest frame I could get. Secondly, I'd stay away from European models. Um, they have a maximum power limit of, I think, 350 watts. It's not enough for the hills here. You'll end up burning the system out very quickly. Get the highest voltage you can afford. Don't get 36 volt, it's too low. Get the 48, get the 52. Try and get as much power as you can. You don't have to use it, but it's there. With e-bike batteries, you don't want to charge them up to 100% too often. Um, do it occasionally to balance the cells. I tend to charge mine at 80. This prolongs the life of the battery by at least twice, sometimes three times its lifespan. You don't want to discharge below 10 or 20%. 10 is the minimum. I tend to pick 20. So typically I might charge and discharge my battery between 20% and 80%, which gives me 60% of my battery. Doesn't sound like much, but it's plenty for what I do. Most battery chargers for e-bikes are relatively cheap. Um, and like a lot of the Chinese goods, they are cheaply made. Typically they run 30 or $40. They charge the battery to 100%, that's it. There is a second tier of battery chargers, which will allow you to select either the amperage and or the percentage of charge. Um, they tend to run quite a bit more money. They're around $100, um, a smart charger. I have one of those. In fact, I have two of those now. And then the top of the list is a universal charger called a satiator. That's the top of the line, but that's close to $400 now. So it's quite a quantum leap in charges as far as cost goes. The Satiator is one of the products designed and manufactured by Grin Technology. Mike told us by email that the Rad Power Bikes, which he and Julie both have, doesn't come with an option to limit the state of charge to 80%. One last word from Andrew at Dandy Horse. We have a small collection of e-bikes to demo and to rent. If anybody uh, wants a kit, um, we'll do our best to find the frame or use the frame that they bring. This works well for a lot of people. For more information, go to cortezcurrents.ca. There you will find links to the e-bike options we covered in this show, as well as the e-bike reviews previously published on Cortez Currents by D. Clark. You've been listening to 89.5 CKTZ, Cortez Community Radio. This has been Max Tyson for Cortez Currents. This program was funded by a grant from the Community Radio Fund of Canada and the Government of Canada's Local Journalism Initiative.